You're listening to Podcasting Made Simple, where we deliver weekly masterclass episodes to help podcast hosts and podcast guests elevate their podcasting game. I am your host, Alex Sanfilippo. Today's episode features a conversation about the podcasting industry. Throughout this discussion, you'll learn what's changed and what to expect in the near future of podcasting, both for guests and for hosts. For the video version of this episode and for more podcast industry updates, please visit podpros.com slash 173. And now please enjoy today's episode. Today, I'm joined by my friend, Travis Albritton. I'm really excited about this conversation, the state of podcasting. We were both just laughing because uh, what we're using to record gives us a six second countdown. We both thought that was a really interesting thing. So we start off like a oh, weird pause. I'm used to seeing three, two, one. But anyway, Travis, welcome. Glad to have you here today. Thanks, Alex. Well, all the editors out there know you just cut that part out and you just right. start right on the button and nobody's the wiser. So that's it. You know, and talking about think about Zoom now when Zoom says this, oh, this meeting is being recorded or something like that. And mm-hmm. then I can always hear people with their clicks on the screen like right away. I'm doing it right now. But <laughs> thankfully, I have a mic where you can't hear it. But sometimes it's like it pops up in the screen saying this is being recorded. And uh, I've, I've seen that actually change some podcast interviews because that starts off by hearing a mouse click, which mm-hmm. I think is always an, an interesting thing. Yep. Um, and that, that's why we don't record video via Zoom right now. Um, Zoom has turned into like, I think, is it still the standard actually? I know I'm kind of already off topic here a little bit, but is that still the standard? It's definitely the most common. I think it's something that people are used to using both on the host and on the guest side. So if you're trying to get a quick yes from somebody with minimal kind of like obstacles to get in the way of them showing up to your podcast. Zoom is probably still the preference. I know that with Buzzsprout, we actually just released a bunch of resources on the best settings to use in Zoom to get better audio and video quality. Um, And so you can link that in the show notes. I'll give that link to you. Uh, But it's still definitely the number one way that people are remote recording their podcasts. Gotcha. That's that's interesting. I mean, they, they, in 2020, the standard was set that Zoom was the video conferencing type of thing, right? And in my mind, it's always supposed to have been for meetings, not necessarily for interviews or anything like that for podcasting specifically. So I've always used other tools. And I'll link to some of my favorite. We can probably get into some of that a little bit later even. And I know it's the same for you as well. But I'm glad that you have that resource. We'll definitely have a link to that for people to check out just in case they are saying, I'm going to stick with Zoom. Some best practices there I think would be very useful for some people and hopefully get rid of the mouse click as it starts. So (laughs) anyway, so you referenced Buzzsprout and you're like, I have no better way to describe you other than like the face of Buzzsprout. I know there's some other faces of Buzzsprout now, but when I first joined with Buzzsprout, it was Travis only, basically, is what I saw. (laughs) It's nice that you all have widened the bench a little bit, but that's kind of been your history. And actually, this is your second time appearing uh, from an interview standpoint. I interviewed you and Albin. I don't remember what year it was. Maybe it was 2019. Maybe it was 2020. I'm not sure, but a while ago. And you guys came on and just added some really great value in direct correlation to podcasting. So I'm excited to get back into some of that today. Yeah, we're gonna have a lot of fun. For sure. Hopefully you have updated stats since last time we talked. I, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, <laughs> it was a while ago. So yeah, I got some I got some numbers, some figures. And, Good, uh, cool. you know, as somebody in the podcasting industry, I'll try and also add some context to it as well. Because you can see stats, you can see, you know, different data and figures. And unless you have an idea or a basis of what it actually means, then you can come to some different conclusions. So hopefully I'll also clarify what some of these numbers actually represent. Yeah, that sounds great. And, you know, thinking back to that interview we did, it was it was pre-2020. And I don't reference that for COVID or anything like that, but it did change the landscape of podcasting and digital media, anything online, basically. It changed that landmark quite a bit. Have you seen a big shift since now, now coming into 2022? This is the second quarter state of podcasting. 
Have you seen a big shift even coming into this year as we're kind of in a post-pandemic world now? So it's interesting you bring that up. So 2020 and 2021 were really massive, not just for podcasting, but really all digital media, right? Out of necessity. And so at Buzzsprout, we saw a massive uptick in people signing up for the service. There were periods of time where like, I don't know if you remember this, you couldn't even buy a webcam on Amazon. Like they were completely sold out. They did not exist. Um, I remember that. <laughs> people were spending $400, $500 for a $60 webcam on eBay just to get one because now they're working from home. I had to wait like four months for my standing desk to show up my home office, right? Because it was just, everything was backed up. And so as people shifted home, that led to a massive spike in people signing up and starting podcasts. And 2020 and 2021 were huge. So 2022... At the time that we're recording this right now, we're about two months into it, we've seen that growth taper off, as could be expected. We're kind of returning to a semi-state of normalcy. A lot of people are still continuing to remain working from home and working remote, um, but we're getting back to a sense of people's normal routines that they had before. And so we are seeing the growth kind of taper off, but it's still growing. So if you check the podcastindex.org website, um, they're an independent group that is helping to manage the podcast ecosystem. They have over 4 million podcasts listed in their directory. That also includes a lot of podcasts that have quit publishing, that published a teaser trailer episode from their iPhone and then stopped. Like It includes all of those. But even if you look at Apple Podcasts and Spotify numbers, you're in the 2 million range. And that's significant because not too long ago, we were all talking about how great it was. We just passed a million podcasts. Right. And so, I remember those days. Yeah. And so, you know, the good old days before we had a million active podcasts, <laughs> right? And then if you dig into some of the na- the numbers that Daniel J. Lewis puts together about active podcasts and some different filters that give you a sense of who's actively publishing right now, we're probably under 500,000 active podcasts that are publishing at least on a monthly basis. And so that gives you a scope of where we currently are, but that's significantly more than we were just a couple of years ago. And so what I would expect is that now podcasting is starting to become more mainstream in the way that television advertising and just traditional banner digital media ads have become standard practice for digital marketing companies and agencies and some of these larger brands are starting to get into podcast advertising. That's why we're seeing a lot of these acquisitions is you have a lot of big money coming in and say, how do we consolidate all these tools that already exist in the space and put them in a media vertical that we can leverage as an additional way to advertise. So we're not just doing radio stations, we're not just doing Super Bowl commercials, but now we own these companies that have the ad tech, that have the tracking capabilities to do attribution. And and all that is simply a way to say, there's a lot of traditional media players that are starting to make bigger investments in the podcast ecosystem and industry through acquisitions and through some different moves. And so we're seeing some trends start to play out that are overall positive for the world of podcasting, but then also are creating more of a separation between the, say, the top 200 or 300 podcasts in the world and everyone else. And so that'll be something we're continuing to keep an eye on. But podcasting isn't going anywhere. That's the good news. It continues to grow. More people sign up every single month for Buzzsprout and every other podcast host on the planet. Um, and it's, it's still though, very nascent. We're still very early on in it as a medium. It certainly has not matured in the way that internet video or blogs have. And so, you know, definitely very excited to see kind of how things progress over the next couple of years. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I think that podcasting is still very much in its infancy. I know that I think we're getting starting to get more mature when it comes to the tech. I feel like we've just caught up with the rest of the world, right? Uh, which is good to see Bus Route being at the forefront of that, and hopefully my companies as well. But uh, when I think about everything that you just shared, I've got a handful of questions here. But the first one I want to talk about is just how you talked about how there's over 4 million uh, podcasts listed on Podcast Index, which again, can show the ones that just someone made a little trailer. Even, again, Spotify's, Apple's, they have over 2 million now, but there's less than 500,000 that are active. What should that tell people that are podcasting today? Like, what can we take away from from even just that one analytic? So the thing that I always encourage people with, and this is something that you can go and check out, uh, Buzzsprout publishes our global stats for all of our shows monthly. And we, we show you kind of the listening app breakdown, which apps are more popular. But then also on the publisher side, what the median podcast is seeing as far as download numbers. And that number typically hovers between 27 and 30 downloads in the first seven days. So that means if you're a podcaster on Buzzsprout and your episodes are getting 30 downloads within the first week, then that means you're in the top half of podcasters on Buzzsprout. And the people that sign up for Buzzsprout are typically independent podcasters, they're entrepreneurs, they're business owners, they're people that wanna start a hobby, wanna capture conversations with their friends. Those are the kind of people that sign up for Buzzsprout versus you know, an Art19 or a Megaphone, some of these more um, enterprise solutions. And so what that means is like, there's still an incredible opportunity in that even though it's harder to grow a podcast than a lot of other mediums like blogs or YouTube channels, because they have other discoverability mechanisms that podcasting doesn't have, the growth that you see with podcasting is much more durable. It's much more resilient. That when someone becomes a listener of yours, they stick around for a long time and they listen to most of the episodes that you put out. And so if you are just getting into podcasting, the threshold to get into the top half of independent podcasters is relatively small. And that means that if you're willing to put in the time and effort to stick with it for a long enough time to be in that half a million or so shows that are every single month, every single week publishing new episodes, it's not out of the realm of possibility to think that you could have the number one show on whatever your topic is, on whatever your niche is in the next year or two. And so, so I think that's the cool thing is because podcasting is such a long tail game that the shows that are doing well for independent creators are the ones that are hyper specific to a group of people with specific questions, specific needs, specific interests. And you're just serving that audience exceptionally well, because this isn't, this isn't drive time radio. You're not trying to appeal to everyone in a geographic location. You can be super specific. I mean, so with Buzzcast, so we have a show we do every other week for Buzzsprout, and we talk about the podcasting industry, we talk about what's going on at Buzzsprout. That show only exists for people that are podcasters, right? So you take the seven plus billion people on the planet and shrink that down to the number of people producing podcasts. Even if we just get a tiny corner of that group, like that's significant, right? That's significant. And so coming back to, I guess, the original question of, what does this mean and, and kind of how does this all play out? I think if you are wanting to start a podcast for your business, if you're wanting to start it for a personal brand or just because you have something that you're passionate about, there's a really great opportunity if you stick with it in the long run to actually be the number one podcast in that niche. You know what I take away from what you just shared is that podcast listeners are starting to get smarter. Because when podcasting first came out, you could go the general route and be like, this is a podcast for all people. <laughs> that just, that world is gone, which some would say, unfortunately, but I actually think it's very fortunate that people are getting smarter 
And a lot of listening apps now, the search capability is really getting smarter, which I know that you've seen as well. You can now search by topic and you can find specific episodes or shows that you're looking for. How important do you think it is that we really get a narrow niche for our show moving forward? So the value of the niche is not in, you know, that you have less things that you need to talk about or that you service a very specific person, but that it's because you want to be the default answer for when someone says, I want to hear about X. You want to be the default answer for that because word of mouth is still the number one way that people find podcasts. It's not social media. It's not podcast advertising. It's word of mouth, whether that's being a guest on somebody else's show, um, that's doing pod swaps where you swap episodes or swap trailers, or somebody says, hey, we're having this conversation. I heard this thing on a podcast talking about that. You should check out that podcast. That's how podcasts grow. It's still the truth today. Maybe in five years, that won't be the case. Maybe it'll be some kind of Facebook algorithm, but for now, word of mouth is still number one. And so when you can be the number one default answer for a particular topic or niche, that is that will accelerate your growth. That will actually help you to grow a podcast. Because if you're a podcast about nothing in particular, then there's no real reason for people to suggest others listen to you. But if you become like the number one, you know, homesteading podcast in the world for people that are really dedicated to, I want to live off the land. I want to completely support myself through my own means. And it's like, oh, you want to learn about X? Well, you have to listen to this podcast because they break all that down and they only talk to people that are interested in this stuff. Like that's the power of niching down. It's not that there's something magical about excluding people, but it's that you become the default recommendation for anyone who is looking for the things that you want to talk about. I love that. That's really interesting. It makes me think about one of the largest podcast shows that it, that are on Podmatch, and it is a show specifically for tiny homes. So they're it's people that are they have their own tiny homes, and they're interviewing people that are also living in tiny homes. So most of their interviews are conducted within those little homes, but it has one of the largest audiences. And I'll tell you what, they're super engaged. I went through their social media just to kind of test that out, and they've got better engagement than almost anyone I've ever seen. But it's because that's all they talk about. Uh, that's their focus, and it's the people they they found their tribe. So I'm glad you said that. It's very interesting that word of mouth is still number one, even with all this extra search functionality coming out. It makes me actually want to ask one more question before I move on about <laughs> listenership. Sure. Are we still seeing an increase in the amount of people listening to podcasts? So not podcasters, not the guests, because both those people are, are attending this and listening to this today, but the people that are actually just I'm a listener, I'm a consumer of podcasts. Is that number still increasing as it was a couple of years ago? It is. And Edison Research probably does the most in-depth analysis on this. So it's an independent group. They look not just as podcasting, but a bunch of different media ecosystems and kind of track. They're like our version of Nielsen's ratings, if you're, if you're familiar with how TV ratings get measured. And they are continuing to see year-over-year growth, not just in the U.S., which is where the two of us are based, but globally as well. And then when I was talking earlier about all these big money players starting to get invested in podcasting, that includes Spotify. And I don't think we can undersell the impact that Spotify has had on global listenership for podcasting. Because in a lot of places, Spotify is the default way that people listen to podcasts. Um, we're very iPhone-centric in the U.S., so we have a skewed version of kind of what the rest of the world uses to listen to shows on, but 87% of the smartphones in the world run on Android. And so as Spotify and then Google Podcasts, and we'll see what YouTube does this year or next year, like that is really contributed to a growing global audience. And so some of the places we're seeing huge spikes are in the Philippines, in Central and South America, with a lot of Spanish-speaking podcasts, and then even in parts of Asia and Oceania. Like, we're seeing huge spikes in listenership as the software 
And as the listening apps start to tap into those markets, and it's not just an Apple-centric world, which is really hyper-focused on, you know, the U.S., Canada, and the U.K. So this, you may have already kind of answered this next question I want to get into, because we you mentioned the acquisitions, and I know probably the biggest one happening this quarter, I would say, is the big acquisition of Chartable. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a big one, which basically, they basically have all the fancy analytics, third party, right? And they got bought out by Spotify, am I correct? Yep. Is that who it was? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but thinking about this acquisition, all the others that have been happening, I mean, there's been just so many of them. Most people just say, hey, it's just a matter of time before someone tries to buy you at this point in podcasting. What does this mean for independent podcasters and their guests? Like, is this something that's good for us, bad for us? Does it not matter? What's your take on what's happening in this industry? So something that I'm keeping an eye on is as technology gets consolidated, which is essentially what these mergers and acquisitions are doing, is you get a lot of independent companies that are kind of adding layers on top of podcasting, adding different capabilities, different features. As they start getting consolidated into smaller and smaller groups, what kind of power are those groups exerting for their own benefit, right? So if you're a Spotify shareholder, you want Spotify to become the YouTube of podcasting. And that's kind of been their MO. That's what they've been going after at least looking at their acquisitions and their just general behavior. As an independent podcaster, you want to be mindful of just kind of what's happening. Not that any of us can do anything to stop it, uh, but to ask yourself like, you know, how do I want to connect with my listeners? What are the things that I care about? So like I know certain people don't have their podcast on Spotify for one reason or another. Uh, The same is true of other platforms. And what I hope doesn't happen is that we have a YouTube type dominant player in podcasting, because then you don't have that choice as an independent podcaster, right? So if you wanted to remove your video content from YouTube because of something that YouTube as a platform has done, where can you go? Vimeo? Wistia? Like, there's no other place you can really go where you would also have an audience that could come with you and continue to grow. Like, imagine if that was your livelihood, was your YouTube channel. And now you want to take a stance against them for whatever reason, that becomes much more difficult than if YouTube is just one of 20 apps that are all competing for, uh, you know, listenership and listening audience. And so as an independent podcaster and you're kind of looking at the landscape of everything that's happening, just being mindful that you still have power at this point to decide how and where you want your podcast to be distributed. Uh, Some podcasts hosting platforms are now starting to offer, um, programmatic ads dynamically inserted into your show. So you could be talking about homeschooling one minute and then Geico shows up the next and you don't even know about it, but hey, they offered you two cents. So you said yes. Like those are the kinds of things that are coming down the pipeline that, you know, independent podcasters will want to have a say in. And so, but I think the cool thing is, even if you look at all the money that's being thrown around, it's still hyper concentrated on a handful of shows that it's still very much an open platform, open open ecosystem. If somebody can't find your show on one platform, they can find it on another. And that's something we should cherish for as long as we can. And then, you know, obviously adapt that we can't control what Spotify decides to do. If they ultimately win the podcasting game, then we'll have decisions to make and everyone will have to make that decision for themselves. But for now, at least, we have the opportunity to decide how we want our show to be distributed and how we want to connect with our listeners. So one thing that you're mentioning there is, again, going back to something you said earlier, the top 300 shows are really, let's even say say top 500 shows, right? Or where all these advertisers, where all these big companies, they're focused on these shows. They're trying to lock them as exclusives. And many of those are celebrities. Like they are celebrities before they had a podcast. 
Others are now celebrity podcasters. If I said their names, everyone listening would probably have an idea of who they are at least. So for us, it goes back to something else you talked about, like us having our, our narrow niche focus. We may never be the target of these big companies to try to just get us really narrowed in, but that's good for us. It helps us to continue to be independent podcasters, both guests and hosts, right? And we're just focused on our niche and we can do really well in that space. And I think we can actually just thrive off of all these tools. Like podcasting tools have gotten better. Travis, you remember when I got started in podcasting was 2018, I think was the first time I had a conversation with you. And I was like, please help me. <laughs> and uh, at that point, there, but it's because there wasn't many tools. I could Google podcasting and find on one page of Google, basically everything that existed. And now it's like, here are 300 tools that will make the whole process easy and almost free for you at this point. And the tools probably existed back then. They just weren't marketed as well. But for all of us independent creators on either side of the mic, this is something that's really great for us. And it actually brings up a, a next comment for you I want to add. And um, I'm not like wanting to just go straight to affiliates or anything like that. Like just who do you see in podcasting like softwares or, or different things that people can be using that are working really well for podcasters? And uh, as a guest or a host, like there are certain things out there you're saying, hey, we should keep an eye on these because these are the up and coming tools. Obviously, Buzzsprout being number one, <laughs> uh, Pod Pros, Podmatch, Podcast SOB being number two. What else do we got out there, man? Yeah. So it, it's hard to undersell like how far technology has come, you know, Albin, who's the head of marketing at Buzzsprout, did an interview with Jordan Harbinger. And Jordan was sharing about the process that he went through to get his show listed in Apple Podcasts, the original iTunes Apple Podcasts. And it was a text directory. There wasn't even like, there was no, <laughs> wow. it was all manually hand-coded in RSS feed. It was like, you know, the the caveman days. And so we- That's we, how Jordan lost 30% of his hair right there. That, that's, <laughs> what it, so, that's what did it. <laughs> so we're definitely in kind of like a-, a a really cool opportunity within the software ecosystem where like I'll hear about software that like, I'm like, where did you come from? And all of a sudden you're like, you know, a sponsor of, you know, one of the main industry newsletters and never heard of you before. And I check you out and you actually have thousands of people using the service. So there's software popping up all over the place. I know that uh, Riverside is what we're using to record this right now. That's what we have used, you know, for a while for all of our Buzzsprout content remote recorded. Um, and they've been doing a really great job of innovating and putting in updates and making it more resilient. It's really hard, really, really hard to record high quality audio and video on the internet because there's so many variables you have to take into account. Um, and so really been happy with Riverside. And then the other thing that I'm interested to see is the machine transcript services that are out there, the otters of the world, you know, Rev has a machine version, but they also do the human transcriptions, making that more affordable, accessible, and more accurate. So I think one of the, you know, there's legal action taking place against SiriusXM right now um, as far as them not providing captions. So that's a big deal in the U.S. Uh, and transcripts and captions are becoming more and more important. But one of the obstacles for podcasters is you're asking me to add one more thing to my workflow. Now I got to transcribe right. the episode, edit it into a blog post. Like that's a lot to ask. And, and you know, a lot of these human transcription services, you're you're talking like a dollar, dollar twenty-five a minute to get it transcribed and edited. So it's not a small thing to do. Yeah, and podcasters make so much money, so it shouldn't it's, be. I mean, it's it a gold be too hard. Mine. Everyone gets into podcasting for the money. You know, it's right. not because we love talking. Uh, you know, and hope that people love listening. It's because there's lots of dollar signs. No, that's a little little sarcasm there. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing like who is really going to step up and say we're going to create really good, accurate transcription services for podcasting at a price point that makes sense for independent podcasters and do it in languages that are not English as well. 
because most of the technology is still very English centric. And then, you know, I, I look at software like Canva, which, you know, we built an integration with, with Buzzsprout to help podcasters with graphic design needs because artwork is still really important for podcasting. You know, oh, yeah. you just think, oh, I got to get behind a microphone and make a compelling episode. If nobody clicks on the podcast, it doesn't matter how great the episode is underneath it. Like people totally judge your podcast by its cover art. And so seeing platforms like Canva create podcast specific templates, um, you know, and just continue to support the industry is something that I'm also excited about is seeing because that's the cool thing is you start to see people with expertise from other industries start to overlap into podcasting and create podcast specific applications. Um, and then we're not jerry-rigging a bunch of stuff together to make it work, which is, as you said, how it was when I started was, oh yeah, how, how, do, how do I do really good remote long-distance recordings? Well, we record software double-enders. Everyone has an Audacity open, window open and we're recording locally and also doing Zoom and like syncing the audio up afterwards. It was a nightmare. So it's great to have software like, like Riverside and Squadcast that'll do it for you now. Yep, absolutely. Hey, man, as we come to the end of this, this conversation here, I know that I've probably missed a ton of really cool data points that you have. So I'm going to let you just kind of have the open floor here for a few minutes and also just share where you think the podcasting industry is going. So if there's any interesting stats, let us know that if we missed any. And then also, where do you think this thing is heading? So I think one thing that's interesting is that even as we see different platforms shift around and we see Spot- Spotify gain market share, um, mobile listening is still the dominant way that people listen to podcasts. It's through their mobile phones either paired to their car speakers, listening in headphones, what have you. And I think it's really helpful because that means that the threshold for having exceptional audio quality is lower than people think that it is. So you can run it through a service like Alphonic, um, and it'll clean up your audio. If you use Buzzsprout, you can use Magic Mastering. It's a similar service. Um, but you can get really passable audio quality for not a lot of work. So I think, especially when you start talking about audio files and um, not audio files like wave files, but people that are obsessed with audio quality that buy like $500 headphones. Once you pass the threshold of like, there's not a lot of background noise and there's not a lot of echo and you can hear everyone discernibly, like there are some tools that really make it easy to have a top-notch quality podcast that don't actually add a lot to your workflow. And so I think as an independent podcaster, just do a little bit of research to see how can I get this just a little bit better just a little bit better than the other podcasts that are in my niche. That makes a huge difference. And then when I think about the future of podcasting, I think the thing that I'm interested to look at is as, as social media typically ages up, you know, so like TikTok is still very much a Gen Z platform that will eventually age into millennials and Gen X and baby boomers and your grandma's going to be doing TikTok challenges in the near future. <laughs> it's just going to happen. All right? Can't wait. Cannot wait. <laughs> uh, podcasting is going to, age up from the sense that independent podcasters are going to create an ecosystem that businesses find valuable. And so as more businesses and business owners say, you know what, this is a fantastic way for me to be my own media company is to have a podcast where I talk about the things that matter to our company, that matter to our customers, to our prospects. And I'm going to use it as a networking platform to connect with influential people that can help the bottom line of the company I'm creating. That is another thing that I'm keeping my eye on if you want to see an example of a company that did this really well, Trader Joe's still has in my mind the best podcast by a company. And that came out a couple of years ago. And so it's interesting to see how more and more companies are getting into the podcasting game and how that will shift it from, oh, you have a podcast or, you know, 
that's so silly. Like, why? Who wants to listen to you? To oh, you have a podcast, just like Trader Joe's has a podcast, just like Merrill Lynch has a podcast. That's really cool. And now it's going from something that's the butt of a joke to something that is a really incredible opportunity to be influential in the way that you seek to be influential in the world. Very cool. Travis, thanks so much for uh, talking about where podcasting is, some really cool analytics and also the future of it. It's, it's exciting times for podcasters. As long as we stay in the game, we stay focused, we focus on our niche really well, I think that it's going to be really exciting times on either side of the mic as a guest or host. So Travis, thanks for what you do. Thanks for what Bud, Buzzsprout does. I'm a loyal customer myself, always will be, but I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today, man. Thank you. It's fun to be here. Thanks, Alex. Thank you for listening to this episode of Podcasting Made Simple. If you enjoyed what you just heard, please share a screenshot or picture of yourself listening to it on social media. Be sure to tag us so we can follow you and also reshare it. Additionally, if you know someone who would benefit from listening to this as well, please send it their way. For show notes and resources from this episode, please visit podpros.com slash 173. Thank you again for listening and I'm looking forward to bringing you another masterclass episode next week.